Hello and welcome to the Monocle Culture Show with me, Robert Bound. On the programme this week, we're discussing the eventful journey of the record-breaking song by Lil Nas X called Old Town Road. Last week, after 17 weeks at number one, it became the song that spent the most consecutive time on the top spot of the Billboard charts. Overtaking Louis Fonsi and Daddy Yankee's 2017 Spanish smash hit Despacito and Mariah Carey and Boys to Men's 90s ballad One Sweet Day. Those were the days. Old Town Road was originally released independently last December and gained traction on the social media app TikTok, where users upload videos of themselves lip syncing to their favourite tracks. After this, the bidding war for Lil Nas X began and was won by Columbia Records, who signed the 20-year-old rapper from Georgia in March this year. Old Town Road hasn't been without its controversies, though. When the song reached number 19 in the country charts, it was met by a backlash from hardcore country fans who didn't deem it part of the genre, causing it to be disqualified from the country charts. Shortly after this, Columbia Records drafted in Billy Ray Cyrus to add a sprinkle of country superstardom to the track and that propelled it to number one on the Billboard charts in early April, where it has stayed ever since. And there have been plenty more versions since, featuring remix king Diplo and RM, a member of the K-pop megagroup BTS. This song then knows how to play to as many audiences as possible. Old Town Road is a hybrid of sorts. Lil Nas X calls it country trap, and it even features a Nine Inch Nails sample. So what is the success of this genre-defying song? Well, to discuss further, I'm joined by the writer Leonie Cooper and broadcaster and creative director of the Long Road Festival, Balen Leonard. Welcome both to the programme. Hi. Hello. Quite a lot of explanatory notes. <laughs> yeah, I was like, wow. <laughs> Normally, we, we do this show and we kind of take an art exhibition or a, at least musically a whole album. Mm. We're taking one song because we kind of feel like it's a test case for kind of how songs can go viral and get huge. Bailin, I'll start with you. As a country aficionado, when and where did you first hear it? And did you feel that this was part of your world? Yeah, I definitely felt like it was part of my world. Because um, being Southern, growing up in you know, rural Tennessee, we were listening to all kinds of music, right alongside country music, and all of those influences fed right in. And if you think about something like Southern rock, or even kind of latter-day um, getting towards kid rock and things like that, not actually country, but fits into that, that genre. And country trap, by the way, is a thing that is completely a legitimate genre that was around long before Lil Nas X. So I didn't feel like it was not country. Um, but when did I first hear about it? It was actually when my phone started ringing um, to come and do radio shows all over the place about whether or not it was country. Okay. And um, I actually thought they were talking about a different song that, that had been a, a while back taken off uh, the country chart. And I listened to it and I thought, well... Yeah, it's just as country as something like Sam Hunt, who is a huge country star, but but kind of speak, sings his thing and has a lot of hip hop influences in there. It's just a bit more mainstream yeah. what Sam Hunt does. Um, so I didn't feel like it was not country. I didn't feel like it was George Strait or Dolly Parton. <laughs> uh, but, but country, as I always say, is just this big, wide genre that incorporates many different sounds. So it, it felt totally at home with me. And him being a Southern boy as well, being from Atlanta, yeah. I kind of got where he was coming from with that whole thing. Leone, or, mm. or is it Jolene? 
sitting across the desk. Oh, we were thank talking you. about you, you interviewing Dolly Parton. Yeah, and she did say year. I reminded her of Jolene, which I then later <laughs> realised that might have been Dolly dissing me because obviously Jolene tried to steal her man, but uh, successfully stole her man. Thank you very much. I mean, <laughs> not me. Balin's got a tally. <laughs> yeah. Balin is from Tennessee. He's a country aficionado. Mm-hmm. Leone is a, more of a mainstream rock and pop writer. Mm-hmm. Did it strike you as as an urban song, as a trap song, with a few country, with a bit of banjo on there, with a with styled up as a country song? Well, what's interesting is it's kind of, it's two of America's favorite biggest genres mm. mixed together. It's country and it's hip hop at the same time. And also, there's that kind of you mentioned as well the Nine Inch Nails sample too. So it's got that hard rock to it as well. Yeah. And then in comes all the social media stuff and the meme culture stuff it's like so 2019 it's almost too much this is like (laughs) the most like it's not even millennial this is a super super kind of gen x thing that's happened because he he bought the beat last year so he made it when he was 19 years old living at his sister's house living in the living room he didn't have a proper bed to sleep on he bought the beat for 30 dollars from a dutch producer online yeah so it's not a slick production he did not go to some fancy la studio and lay it down this is proper like bedroom rap and the sample that he bought for 30 bucks has these kind of banjo synths on it it's got 808 bass on it as well which is if you look at the 808 drum machine it's really integral to the birth of hip hop and the birth of electronic music as well the original and best exactly so uh, that's so influential in its own right you've got like bands like 808 State Jarvis Cocker a few years ago did this interactive lecture on the history of the 808 so that's it's got all that legacy mixed up in it as well and that kind of comes through the Atlanta trap sound which is more synthy Mm -hmm. and electronic as well and so he got all these things all these things are going on in this song it's less than two minutes long so it's really short really catchy so all that's happening and he released it at the end of last year it didn't really go anywhere it was just kind of like sitting around so he (laughs) was already something of an online personality and he started making TikTok videos to promote it now TikTok if you're the under under the age of 20 sorry over the age of 20 (laughs) under the age of 20 you definitely know what TikTok is this is is. for me basically everyone here TikTok is a (laughs) lip syncing app so it's kind of a post vine app if that's even a thing it definitely is and he was doing videos on that to promote the song memes started happening it became a challenge the yeehaw challenge where people dressed up as cowboys and mimed the song and that's how it got big it wasn't through Spotify playlisting it wasn't through a video which didn't come till much later 67 million people watched this yeehaw challenge online and TikTok is now how pop songs are being broken it's much more important than like I said getting on a Spotify playlist much more effective marketing than just putting a video out it's online so it's all these different things together not least the fact that he's also a gay man working in country music as well coming together with this very like Gen X way of marketing a song there's so much happening in this song that is is less than two minutes long and not least the stuff about it being like the longest running number one in US since 1958 when the charts began it's yeah it's a lot it's a lot of stuff. It's a lot to take And as in. we said, yeah, and when, you, when, when we walked into the studio here to make this show, you sort of said, you, you've got to realise, although the video is five minutes long, it's only mm. two minutes of the song. Mm. Um, so there's, and while we're calling it filler, is it, is it <laughs> that? Or is, are we providing, because it looks like that video with Chris Rock 
uh, the comedian and actor mm. riding across the plains. Mm -hmm. That's a white. That's a white man's job played by a black man, mm -hmm. and that everything means something in that video. It's mm. kind of you know. It's. I it, think it's a throwback. It's not filler, right? It's all. No, it's, it's all about filler. context. It's a throwback almost to the heyday of, of videos. You yeah. know, back when MTV was like a really important channel that actually showed music. You know, <laughs> yeah. um, you shock would, horror. You would be really excited when yeah. uh, like a. a a long video came out you know you didn't just yeah. want the song you wanted so much more around that Madonna was a, a master at that releasing these long form videos so I think it's nice to have a throwback to mm. that interesting what you're saying about Chris Rock being in the video and a black man doing a, a white man's job being a cowboy yeah. actually it's kind of forgotten part of America's history that one in four cowboys were African American yeah. so it's kind of really interesting that it's bringing that out as well and the whole song about being this kind of loner guy seeking his own path I think really relates to that as well yeah I mean I meant, I meant in terms of the, the, the kind of western tradition the on-screen mm. tradition of westerns where you know you're expecting John Wayne of course but that was Clint erased from that history exactly, yeah. as well so it's all really interesting it's about so yeah and it's yeah so it is it's the adding on of all of that mm. context it's an amazing thing to bring up all this stuff um Balin, as I mean, I I think we like this song as well. Like as, yeah, I as mean, critics, I mean, I think we all like this song. I think it's quite funny to hear people really talk deeply about it, you Isn't know, it? because ultimately it's just a good song. Yeah, and everybody's kind of diving in with all of these, um, you know, like around the whole song. It became, you know, I was on Radio Four for God's sakes talking about this song. Yeah, and I just thought. It's just a good song, guys. Everybody calm down. Like, put your encyclopedia back on the shelf. It's yeah. okay. It's just, you know, okay, it's a, it's a black guy that's released a song that doesn't do exactly what you think it should. It's a good song. Yeah. That's why it's doing so well. Yes, all of this stuff absolutely helped. And he's a master troller, yeah. which he says himself. <laughs> you know, I, I interviewed him when he was in the UK a couple of weeks ago. Uh -huh. I didn't really know what to expect from him. He's just a really nice guy who he was trying really hard he's to do something. Button, right? I mean, he's very good yeah. at his own. And he said, you know, I'm, I really love trolling. So he, he's very good at stoking the fire online. But also, he was just trying to do something with his life, you know, yeah. and, and this took it to a, a whole new level. And the whole gay thing, you know, that came after the initial success right. of all this yeah. and then just kept he's a bit of a disruptor. Yeah. In that way, you know, he's just confounding people left, right, and center. Um, that thing, that trolling thing. Um, there's a good video on YouTube of a, I think it's a New York Times pop correspondent who's interviewing Lil Nas and Billy Ray Cyrus mm. and all the rest of it, and they're talking about you know he was he was optimized he was doing some sort of search optimization and he was messing around so that it would look like more people had searched for mm. this thing. So there is there is as Leonie was saying there is a lot of kind of inbuilt internet wisdom oh, yeah. and, and social media doing. wisdom he's with this thing. He's very social media savvy. Yeah. You know, he knows exactly what he's doing. But none of that would work if it wasn't a good song. No, indeed. Yeah, it's it, a simple song. Yeah. Well. It, like being short, it's very catchy. And what's important as well is they like kids like it, little kids like it. There's a video on social media at the moment of him performing it in <laughs> yeah. a school. And to all, like, yeah. I'd say these kids are like five or six years old and they all lose their minds. And that sort of relates back to, oh, it's like Britney Spears in the late 90s going on school tours and playing in shopping malls. So there's that kind of more traditional, I know it's yeah. only kind of 20 years ago, but that traditional form of marketing happening as well. And it's really interesting because it's it's also made the charts interesting again. I, like, I think people haven't paid attention to what's ha been happening in the music charts for at least 10 years. Like Nobody cares. And now this has made the charts something to talk about as well.
Um, and, and and the stranglehold that it's had on the charts is because it's a good song, because of its kind of snowball effect, it's kind of online snowball and effect. And all the remixes. And all the remixes, exactly. And that's <laughs> yeah. what I wanted to ask you both about. So there's one with RM from BTS, the Korean mega, South Korean mega group, mm. boy band. Um, Diplo, inevitably, has remixed it. Uh, there isn't a Spanish language one yet, I don't think, but you kind of feel that that's only a matter of oh, time. Oh, the Rosalia perhaps. remix. Oh, there was. There is a, no, I'm just saying oh, in my Rosalia, mind, the yeah. Rosalia remixes. Let's yeah. get this made, Tony. Yeah. Let's petition. <laughs> I'll make some calls. Um, so this has got it up to kind of almost a billion sort of v- uh, views and listens and all the rest of it. How important is that kind of world of kind of getting it into into individual marketplaces mm. and niches and all the rest? Well, it's fascinating because they all count towards the single number mm-hmm. one track as well, which I'm not sure if that would have flew a few years ago mm-hmm. as well. The fact that all these separate tracks make this one big track. Diplo recently did some country stuff as well. Like mm-hmm. country is yeah, now... Yeah, but with all the remixes, so Lil Nas X has also asked Dolly Parton and Megan The Stallion to do one, and Dolly kind of responded on social media. And obviously, there's the Billy Ray Cyrus remix, which was the original one, and literally, it's still happening. So this weekend at Lollapalooza in Chicago, Lil Wayne did his version as well, and it's just this snowball effect, and it all counting towards this one mega song. And because the song is so simple and so short, it's very easy for people to come in and just lay a couple of verses on uh-huh. top of it as well. It's you don't have to do any kind of sonic trickery to weave in mm. this patchwork of a, a new song you just like all right i put my bit there yeah and i put my bit there and it goes out to all these different markets so you've got the k-pop market because of the bts remix you've got diplo's crowd that kind of edm party crowd it's just it's everywhere and it doesn't seem to be going anywhere either and i'm not bored of the song yet so i'm fine with it but i don't know give it maybe three or four weeks and we might reach Peak, it could be the, ga- the Gangnam style of country country music. He is yeah. also poking fun at himself for releasing so many remixes as well. Yeah. I mean, I think that's the thing about him is he's not po-faced about what he's doing. He knows exactly what he's doing. And he also gets everybody's eye rolls as okay. well. You know, he, 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 he <laughs> yeah. totally gets it. But he's just a really, um, I think he's just really smart. And the best thing that could have happened to this, and he admits this himself because I said, you know, surely this whole billboard thing is what made this song I mean yeah the TikTok and all that of course but like banning banning the Sex Pistols put them straight to number one yeah. mm-hmm. you know ban anything and people want to know more about it and, yeah. and um, billboard making that decision was the best thing and that you can't you can't you can't plan for that you no. know you can't make that happen <laughs> you, you can't plan but you can just wish to be <laughs> yeah, banned like, please yeah. ban me. but, but yeah. that is also that's what did it you know yeah. that's what broke it out of that TikTok world and broke it into the mainstream mm. and there was people sort of said uh, you know there might be a you know pe- he, he was asked a question variously whether there was he thought there was a racial element to being banned from the billboard charts as a, as, a, as a country watcher, what did you think about that, Bailin? No, I, d- I don't think there was... I, I mean, look, I'm a white guy, so yeah, yeah, yeah. what do I know? But um, they're, they're, I will say, obviously, black uh, or any artist of color uh, is pretty thin on the ground when it comes to uh-huh. country music, but there are very successful ones as well. Uh, you can, of course, count them on one hand. So there is, <laughs> there is, a, there is a racial um, element to any discussion around country music. Um, I think it was more the style of music as opposed to the color of his skin. Yeah, yeah. You know, I think it was more... I'm not saying that Billboard had it right when they were saying there weren't enough country elements in it, but I'm saying that that trap is something that country fans aren't necessarily familiar with. But I also (laughs) don't think it was the fan. This wasn't the fans that that got it yanked off of Billboard. You know, it's not the fans. Look, people... Country fans 
fight amongst themselves all the time about what is country and what well, isn't we've, country. We've, we've, when, I remember when Casey Musgraves broke. I yeah. mean, you came in here, what, three, three or four years ago, and we're talking about it, and there were people that thought she wasn't country enough, mm. she wasn't singing about the right things, or she was ironizing mm. the tropes of country music, yeah. and people were up in arms yeah. about it. And, you know, she's a lot more of a traditional country star than, than uh, Lil Nas X. Yeah, uh, yeah. And so that's a conversation that's always going to happen around country music. Yeah. You know, people thought Garth Brooks ruined country music when he, when he came out. And, you know, look at Garth Brooks. He is <laughs> held up pretty much as a, a you know, a, a superstar of country music. Paragon of country virtue. Absolutely, <laughs> yeah. absolutely. But, you know, when he started doing his stadium tours and all that stuff, people were absolutely outraged that he had, you know, fire explosions on stage yeah. and, and all of this sort of stuff. So it's a conversation that's always going to happen. I think the other thing to remember is that um, while this is a country song, I don't necessarily think that Lil Nas X sees himself as a country artist. Yeah. You know, the, if you listen to the rest of his EP that just came out or the other songs of his that are kind of a little bit further down on the charts, like Panini, um, they aren't country leaning. There's one that has a little bit of a country styling to it. But he's not look. I don't think he's looking to be a country artist. You know, this isn't necessarily a fight that he's looking to have about his career. It's an issue over one song that he, when he heard that beat that, that he bought for $30, you know, he, he heard the countryness in it. He, he, he identified with being like this lone cowboy living on his sister's sofa. Yeah. Uh, so that's what came out of it. He's just a musical artist who I, I'm sure going forward will have many different styles that he leans into. Um, before, while we're still on the subject of the song itself, how common is the route that actually the song writing, as it were, took? I mean, to buy a beat from a producer called uh, Young Keo, who mm. lives in a small town, out, town outside of Amsterdam. In a much nicer house now, <laughs> I can imagine. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure, yeah. So he bought the beat for $30, as you said, and then, you know, it kind of became something. But that beat is, again, is something, is a Nine Inch Nails riff, mm-hmm. which has turned into a beat. Um, and then, so it's got that, as you said, Leonie, so it's got yeah. that kind of hard rock connotation, that industrial rock connotation. And then getting Billy Ray Cyrus involved. What? Uh, what? Uh, how, what's, what's Billy Ray's stock in country circles? Well, it's interesting. It did as much for Billy Ray Cyrus as it did for Lil Nas X. Seems like that, actually. right? Uh, oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Because Billy Ray Cyrus, while uh, continuing to make music all through his career and, and releasing new music, a lot uh, really was counted as a one hit wonder for mm. Achy Breaky Heart um, and then stayed relevant um, through his daughter Miley Cyrus yeah. becoming a massive star as well and so uh, I'm sure he bit his hand off when this came along you know because this also uh, obviously I know that there I'm sure there were many workings behind the scenes in terms of you know in boardrooms and such across record companies to make that happen but also from the uh, from the outside of it, it it's another thing that kind of Lil Nas X made happen on Twitter he you know lobbied for Billy Ray Cyrus to get involved with this and said to everybody, you know, how, let's get Billy Ray Cyrus on this. So from the outside, it looked like that was just another shout out that he did yeah. on social media that that made. But yeah, I'm sure Billy Ray Cyrus like broke the door down to get into that room to make that happen. And it was a very wise decision and gave it the country cred that it needed to get yeah. back into the chart. Yeah, and he came to Glastonbury as well, didn't he? So mm-hmm. when Miley Cyrus played Glastonbury, who also weirdly did, like, talking of all this kind of genre cross-pollination, she did an amazing hard rock set covering Led Zeppelin. And she brought out Lil Nas X and her dad, and the crowd went wild. And I think if she'd have done that two, three years ago, the crowd would have gone, who the hell is this yeah. old man you've brought out with you? He's like, it's my dad. <laughs> Don't you know who he is? And you people, Come would, on. people would have gone like, that was 10 years before I was born. So yeah. it's, yeah, really reinvigorated his career. It's well. amazing. And in the video, I mean, he's very... 
very he's kind of again he's kind of messing around with his status as a country yeah. legend or whatever yeah. with wearing the kind of pink rhinestone mm. and the tassels the and all the Manuel uh, <laughs> Manuel yeah. suits is what yeah. they're called yeah Are the Manuel suits is that what they're called yeah because Ma- well they're, they're originally called nudie suits because there was a guy whose surname was nudie who made those classic rhinestone yeah. suits and then uh, his apprentice was called Manuel and uh, nudie died but Manuel carried it on so in Nashville Manuel still has a shop in any rhinestone suit that you see of quality on any artist is a Manuel. Yeah, so that's a very good that story. A couple think, of like, years ago, was wearing kind of Manuel suits. Yeah, and, and Graham Parsons' legendary suit with all yeah. the pills and yeah. the, and the weed on it—that was that was a nudie suit. Yeah, but Beautiful. you know, B- Billy Ray Cyrus. Um, I think, in terms of kind of the outside crowd, Glastonbury really important, but. Let's also focus on the, the country crowd and CMA Fest in Nashville is kind of the biggest moment in the mm-hmm. country calendar. And uh, Lil Nas X came out with Billy Ray Cyrus and Keith Urban and did Old Town Road. And for a country crowd, that's where the tick comes in. Like, yeah. right, that's where the credibility comes in. You've got Keith Urban there, one of the, you know, the biggest stars of today, uh, playing guitar on this. And uh, you're at the most country of country events in the city that is you know, the, the home of country music. Not the birthplace, as we know, but the home of country music. So uh, that's also getting that. You know, it's it's not like that's he's going. Ultimate oh, seat of approval, we, we've right? got we got everybody else. Let's not forget about the country crowd. You know, he went and did CMA Fest, and that's a big deal as well. God, there's so much to discuss. It's one hell of a X. promo tour, isn't it? He <laughs> isn't must be it, right? exhausted. Yeah, but very rich. So. Yeah, yeah. Cool. I'm sure and young and happy. Fine. Yeah, young and cool and happy. I wonder if he's thinking maybe I should just retire now because there must be that fear of it being a one-hit wonder because the stuff he has released post that the track like Panini which is a great track and it is mm. a, got a Nirvana sample in it as well the chorus is um, in bloom and it's obviously it's not mm-hmm. done nearly as well so I'm had a viral very- moment with that though as well with mm. Gordon Ramsay so yeah he, tw- he tweeted what? Like, what? Really? yeah 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 because he was coming to, he's coming to the UK <laughs> this gets weirder and weirder and he, he tweeted you know hey everybody help me get Gordon Rams- Ramsay to teach me how to make a Panini Okay, right. and guess what happened? Gordon Ramsay <laughs> taught him how to make a panini, and they filmed it, and they put it out, and it became you know that was a big moment. But you know what was interesting is when I was interviewing him, and he had just been with Gordon Ramsay the day before, and I brought it up. <laughs> he seemed just as excited about that That's- as he did about having a number one. You know, he yeah. like he. I think he was kind of like can't believe where he finds himself. He can't believe his 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 recently kind of um, adopted power. Yeah, right? yeah. So much to talk about with Lil Nas X. Balen, it mm. reminded you, this is the section of the show where you talk about what it reminded you of, what references you might use to review it. Um, and this, this, you wanted to talk about the country trap genre. Yeah, well, country... And this is the get-up by Blank. Yeah, it's country rap, country trap, you know, whatever you want, country hip-hop. There, there's lots of different um, kind of examples that you could pull out of this. And, and Nelly has done quite a few remixes with, with Florida Georgia Line and uh, with Tim McGraw and, and Jason Aldean and Ludacris has, has done some stuff. And more recently, uh, Yellow Wolf, uh, who's a country kind of... He's not country trap. He's like rural rap. Um, but, but we're really <laughs> I love splitting this. Hairs. I need a map. So these are um, these are minor deviations within the genre. Then. Yeah, or and, and, to, and to varying degrees of success yeah. in, in terms of like when a, a hip hop artist joins in with a, a country artist. But it, it's not a new thing. Is is the whole point of this? But but Blanco Brown is another artist that actually his debut album and and the Get Up is, is a debut song from him. Uh, he was known as a producer before and uh, worked with Pitbull and um, Chris Brown and loads of, of of people like that. But um, 
The reason it reminded me is because I also don't think he's pursuing a country career necessarily. I mean, I could be wrong. You know, maybe he's going to put out an album that's going to be straight mm-hmm. down the middle country or country rap or country trap or whatever. But I think he's just a, a, an artist that's interested in beats and interested in different genres and, and blurring those lines a little bit. And uh, this has the added element of um, a, a dance to it that he tells you how to do throughout the thing that's also become a viral thing and this is so, I mean this is, this is kind of this is uh, kind of where you hit pay dirt right as a mm. performer when you're teaching you get people the dance right. steps when people are doing it in exactly. schools and clubs and yeah. playgrounds that's yeah. what you want yeah. and so it, it reminded me kind of of a, a similar um I guess, a trajectory in in this, not because they're both black or because it's both rap and a little bit country, but because they're both artists that um, came at it from a totally different way and and aren't necessarily calling themselves country artists, but they fit very comfortably within that. And um, the Get Up uh, has also had, you know, Lainey Wilson, who's a big kind of up and coming country artist, uh, did the video with him. And it's interesting. I was DJing the other night at a country club night, and uh, I put the get-up on just to see what would happen. Uh-huh. And uh, everybody started doing the dance and absolutely loving it. Yeah. You know, they all knew the dance. And I think it's the type of song very much like Old Town Road that you could put that on at any party, not just a country party or not a, you know, yeah. a hip-hop night or anything. like. You could put that on at a wedding. Um, you know, in the home counties, and <laughs> I'm ev- aware of them. <laughs> and everybody is going to everybody's going to know Old Town Road, and most people are probably, and if they don't already, will soon know how to do the get up. And I think it's a really interesting thing that they've tapped into here. Yeah, it's kind of it's playing with genre, but it's also genre proof. Right? Yeah, it's it's an interesting thing, and stuff like country trap or anything in this rural, what did you call it, rural, rural rap. rap? Yeah, that anything with a beat in obviously helps get these things moving right? sure i mean yeah we love that we love the jolene we love jolene obviously but something with a real bit something with a deep beat in it helps to get these things going right absolutely okay. absolutely and and obviously when you play jolene you have to immediately go into diane by cam which is the answer song to jolene that is a banger yes Total banger. i was in nashville a few months ago and my friend just constantly played it in the car so, and so windows sing along a ball yeah so that was Balin talking about the get up by blanco brown Leonie, this kind of reminded you of Orville Peck. For yeah. those who don't know him, tell us who he is. Orville Peck is Sub Pop's latest and greatest signing. He is kind of like, for me, the crossover point between like John Ford and John Waters. So he's this <laughs> like vision in satin and spurs. And he is an openly gay man in country music, which is rare. So like Lil Nas X. And Lil Nas X isn't kind of singing about his sexuality on the song, but it is about being a loner and creating your own part. So maybe that could be read into it. But his sexuality is really important because when something's seen as so binary which country music is it's kind of been often seen as a republican thing a white thing a conservative thing then it's really ripe for subversion so this kind of started in the 70s with outlaw country music so Waylon Jennings and Willie Nelson Jesse Coulter were all making this outlaw country music which was a rebellious anti-establishment hillbilly sound kind of kicking against the Grand Old Opry and that went through into alternative country which we know today kind of Nico Case and Lamb Shop Wilco, that sort of thing. But also at the same time, in 1973, a band called Lavender Country released the first openly gay country record. And it had songs on it like Come Out Singing and Back in the Closet Again were some of the songs. And they're fronted by this man called Patrick Haggerty, who was thrown out of the Peace Corps in the 60s for being gay. And he went on to do a lot of activism and ran for office. And it was a really 
punk rock move at the time, totally before punk as well. This is kind of the early 70s and truly radical. And I'm sure there were many closeted men and women making country music. But to be the only out person making country music at that time was really rebellious. They were based in Seattle, their debut album. Only a thousand copies of it were pressed. It was sent out to radio stations. A radio DJ got fired for playing one of the songs, which was called Crying These Cocksucking Tears. Can I say that? <laughs> I have. <laughs> you and, just have. And they split up in 1976. But they're a really <laughs> big influence on Orville Peck and Orville Peck's been yeah he played at Visions Festival this past weekend he's playing the Scala in a few months time and he's just fantastic and sings kind of using male pronouns and doing something that again this is kind of 40 45 years after Lavender Country mm. still not that many people are doing in the in the country world and actually he collaborated with um, Patrick from Lavender Country a few months ago at a show in Seattle and the two of them came together and sang sang a song sang a Hank Williams cover and I just think that's really important and super relevant to what Little Nas X is doing again because mentioned Little Nas X isn't necessarily a country star he's not a country musician he's just made a country song a country trap song but it's all like really really relevant I think also kind of fits into Americana as well whereas Americana is a much more open genre there are loads of out mm. gay and lesbian people in um, uh, Americana but you're right less so in country music yeah and Orville has definitely aligned himself more with that country mm. world than the Americana world and you can see his outfits as well that kind of he wears this wonderful fringed mask and the spurs and the waistcoats and the satin and I, he probably has a Manuel suit or if he can't afford one yet he's going to get he one soon. soon yeah yeah. <laughs> um, it's beautiful stuff there's so much it is such rich territory Leonie there was talking about Orville Peck if you want to check out an album it's called Pony um, that brings us both thank you very much that brings us to the end of today's show thanks to my guests Leonie Cooper and Balin Leonard who's putting the finishing touches to the Long Road Festival where and when just around the corner 6th through the 8th of September it's in Leicestershire uh, just by rugby is probably the closest train uh-huh. station and yeah it's uh, second year of it and five stages over 70 artists uh, incorporating Cam who we mentioned earlier in her song Diane which I can't wait to scream along to in the middle of the field <laughs> uh, but also lots of country lots of, of Americana um, roots music bluegrass kind of a little bit of everything in between and some stuff that you know is outside of those boundaries boundaries as well but fits under the umbrella it's going to be a, it's going to be a rare old knees up um, are you going to change it to the old town road festival just to be in keeping with probably not let's see how let, let's, let's see if it's still as relevant let's next see year. if that dies down exactly <laughs> yeah um thank you both such rich pickings uh, with lil nas x and beyond um thank you of course also to my producer holly fisher we'll be back at the same time next week for the time being for me robert bounds thank you very much for tuning in 